Company Watch Financial Analytics. Hello and welcome to the Company Watch podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Good morning, Nick. Good morning, Joe. We are recording today's episode um, on Friday, the 22nd of October, bright and early uh, in the morning. Um, today's big uh, topics are really around inflation, speculation around interest rate rising, government borrowing, insolvencies. We're kind of back to those quite heavy, hard um, topics, really, which are, I think, are particularly interesting in light of next week's autumn statements that um, I think we're due for on the 27th. Is that right? Wednesday next week? I think Nick, so. I think. Um, I think so. so I think all of this is kind of building up to what's what's going to be um, announced there. And that's that's something we'll hopefully cover um, not half term week, but the week after. So let's start, Nick, with um, inflation. inflation. <clears throat> right. OK. September inflation uh, number came down. 3.1% um, from 3.2% in August. Um, but of course, in the immediate caveat was that the August figure had been artificially, if you like, um, skewed by the impact of the Eat Out to Help Out scheme right. the year before. Um, yeah. So um, we're back to something more like um, normal. And, and it, it's interesting that that switch on hospitality uh, caused a dip of 0.3% mm-hmm. in um, in inflation. So um, I think this is probably too simplistic um, within the wonderful world of ONS stats, but that tells me that but for that um, oddball figure, then the inflation would have been 3.4%. So it would have been sl- slightly... Um, slightly up. Now we've got an absolutely up to date comment from within the Bank of England, but let's let's talk about the detail first. Otherwise, we'll never get back to the yes, detail. Yes, absolutely. Good idea. Um, the market was expecting flat at three point two percent, so uh, it's a little bit better than mm-hmm. expected. Um, the upward push on inflation, transport costs, yeah. particularly second hand cars, still and. Uh, this this glorious statistic that if you were buying a um, a nearly new Mini uh, in September 2019, and then you went back and bought another one in September uh, 2021, you would have been paying 57% more for it. Wow. And that, is, that is astonishing. You know, and 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 if you look um, year on year, it's twenty three percent generally across used used cars, and and this impact isn't going away anytime soon. And this is one, to do with the chip shortage, is that it's right? To do with the chip shortage, of... one of the major motor manufacturers this morning announced that it was doubling its um, uh, financial provisions against production interruptions wow. caused by the chip shortage, and said it didn't expect the chip shortage to unscramble itself until twenty twenty four. Oh my goodness! Wow, so that could have a big, a big impact on yeah. production. Um, I mean, it, it would be better in twenty twenty three, but still not right. So, so cars um, and transport costs in general um, were up. Um, and does that include fuel um, within that um, uh, cost? Do we think, or is that separate? Separate. That's out? separate. I think that comes right. in. I think you're right. I think that comes in elsewhere. Um, housing was another upward push. Um, furniture, for some reason, an <laughs> upward push. Oh, of course, timber. Timber yes. costs. Yeah. Timber costs. Um, and food 
um, food inflation. Um, and again, we're going to see a great deal yeah. more of that if we believe what the supermarkets are are saying. Yeah. Um, Wasn't it Marmite? I think Marmite went up 4% yesterday. I think Unilever of prices. Up, up the price of all their brands. Yeah. All the brands. Um, and, and what you've got to remember is this is all happening before the full impact of the fuel price rises. And we're not there yet. They're expecting um, uh, petrol and diesel to go up by another sort of three or four percent wow. before the end of this month, i.e., in the next week, to probably record record levels. Um, and it's before the impact of the energy price cap hike. You know, and, and, and I, I keep having yes, to, of course. Yes, keep of having course. to remind yourself. Um, all right, some of the bigger businesses have hedged their energy costs but a lot of businesses haven't and a lot of hedges are going to run off mm. um as we as we go through and it's the just, it permeates the whole i was talking to some people yesterday and they they were talking about the impact of energy um price rises and co2 um price increases in an industry that hadn't even occurred to me that there would be an issue but of course it's packaging and all the you know that kind of downstream effect yeah. and that it all kind of ripples through um to the cost of shipping as well i mean ship the shipping costs again and, and talking about hedging you know people yeah. have been forward buying container prices well those are starting to um to kind of go back to market spot rates as well so that that kind of real increase in shipping i think is starting to flow yeah. through and also some some very interesting uh, comments i mean the hospitality industry is squealing like a stuffed pig at the moment about pretty much everything mm-hmm. but um one leading restaurateur was uh, was quoted this week as saying that um as far as he can work out his um energy costs for his restaurants will double, have doubled now. Um, wow. But again, going, going back um, to some of the, the detail, you know, 3.1, 3.2% um, for, uh, infl- in, for consumer inflation. But if you back up a bit in the, in the whole um, supply chain, manufacturers, uh, this is the ONS figures, were paying 11.4% more year on year in September for raw materials. Yes. And factory gate prices, which is you know, the, the step before this hits the, the consumer, um, were up 6.7% year on year, and that's the biggest rise for a decade. So it's all in the system. You know? um, uh, it, it is baked in. It is coming down the track. It is, um, it is the, light, the light coming at you down the tunnel, whatever cliche you like. The answer is that is exactly why the Bank of England chief economist told the FT in something that was published late last night, and I saw this morning, um, that um, he now expects inflation will reach 5% yeah. in early 2022. So, I mean, again, he's behind the market still. Markets, market was thinking that three weeks ago and is now looking at 6, 6% for RPMA and 7%, sorry, 6% for CPI yeah. and 7% for our RPI. So he's behind the curve, but at least he's getting there um, with that. So that's the um, thing. And, and it's very interesting. There was the GFK consumer survey. Mm. Yeah, that was published this morning. Um, mainly it? about confidence, published this morning. Um, but uh, every measure in the in the uh, GFK uh, survey of consumer attitudes is going in the wrong direction, 
And they agree from a consumer point of view with what the CBI in a survey that was published, which I found utterly unintelligible, but nevertheless, you can see the trend. <laughs> I really don't know what it tells you, except the trends are exactly the same as GFK. Mm. Businesses are saying the same thing as consumers. They, they have expectation of rapidly rising inflation. Um, and that, of course, is, an, is something if you have expectations of it, it, inflation, it becomes self-fulfilling. Yeah. It feeds the wage spiral and the price, the price rise spiral, and it ain't good. And that's what's interesting. I mean, actually, that kind of leads us on quite nicely, doesn't it, to the whole um, question around Bank of England and, and what has yeah. been, been said over the last few days. Because it seems very much that they are behind... The curve. We've had Andrew Bailey saying, actually, you know, maybe there is a problem here. And, and Hugh Pillar, as you mentioned in his interview with the FT, talking about inflation um, rises. And what was his what was his comment that it will be a, a live meeting um, when they meet in, um, on, the in fourth, on the 4th of November? And he also said the decision is finally um, balanced. Although you see, it's interesting, two of the members of the MPC are pushing back and saying that they think November is too soon. So there is clearly a live debate. You can see why Hugh Pill is saying it's um, finely balanced. But let me take you back briefly from interest rates to inflation mm-hmm. and um, repeat something that a number of, of, of very experienced economists have been trotting out this last week. They are drawing comparisons because, because the ONS is talking about borrowing figures and inflation um, in the context of World War II and World War I as being the two other instances in the last hundred years or so where where this sort of, um, these sort of issues have faced the economy, an exceptional shock to the economy. And in the case of of World War I, exactly the same thing happened. There was a real burst of inflation at the back Mm -hmm. end of of the war and then immediately afterwards, but it corrected quite quickly and was followed by stagflation. And guess what? Same after World War II. Burst of inflation. Demand rose because, you know, for all the reasons. It was was controlled by rationing, but it was then followed by um, a a, a prolonged period of austerity and and, and, and of no economic growth. So they're just warning. Nobody's saying this is going to be the same because the conditions are different and and the economic systems are much more sophisticated and robust, which is not necessarily a good thing. Not necessarily a good thing, because I think, again, we found that there's all kinds of things that are so interconnected that, you know, a change in one area has such a, you know, a, a load of consequences that you couldn't necessarily have predicted because you don't really understand yeah. how everything is so interconnected. So Indeed. Um, so yeah. borings. Yes, we had ONS figures out uh, yesterday mm-hmm. on government borrowings. I know this doesn't this doesn't float your boat very much, Joe, but um, but nonetheless, um, September borrowing uh, was twenty one point eight billion, which is down seven billion on September twenty twenty. Yeah. Nevertheless, it's the second largest September borrowing on, figure on record. in history. Well, yeah. hey, it wouldn't it be? Um, it's interesting the cumulative. Um, uh, borrowing figure for the current financial year, which I think must be six months, mm-hmm. seven months, seven months, is 108 billion. And that's down 101 billion on September 2020. 
Because it's just spending spending is its peak. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there were there were nine million on furlough and goodness knows what else was going on. But that again is why interest rates are important because that will have a, any rise has direct yeah. impact on the cost yeah. of that of that borrowing, doesn't it? So yeah. the fact that it's coming down is a good thing, but you know, there's an awful lot still on the books from um previous years. That, that's right. Now the, the total um it's wonderful they called it the stock of government debt. I mean, how can they how can you have a stock of debt? Anyway, never mind. Um, total government debt is now 2.2 trillion or 95.5% of GDP, and it's the highest since early since the early 1960s. Now, I'm going to throw you off the scent slightly on, on this and, and okay. do a little bit, bit of sort of lateral thinking here. And I suspect I'm conflating two numbers that don't link, but it, government total debt is 2.2 trillion. Mm-hmm. When I did that research last month about zombie companies, oh, yes. the, um, the total assets of the zombies in, in the UK economy was one trillion. So you've got a trillion pounds worth of assets stuck in unproductive dead companies. Dead companies, mm. but they're not all dead. They're not dead, but you know, not really not, not generating dead, huge amounts of no productivity. So nearly half the government debt um uh you know is is accounted for in the two aren't. But I just mm. make the comparison that if only we could sort the zombies out um it would surely invigorate the, uh, the economy. You've got to think allowing the, allowing those those assets to be used in a more productive way. And you know, we come back to this time and again. There, there, there has been quite a lot of research done on um, yep. on the fact that, that the, the the very existence of these zombie companies actually holds the economy back because they're taking assets and they're taking things that could otherwise be used productively by by companies. Well, the Bank of International Settlements in 2017 published research based on the uh, economies of the 14 most developed countries and found that for every 1% of the uh, economy dedicated to or operated by uh, zombie companies, so, you know, the number of zombie companies in in the population, for every 1%, Knocks 0.3 percent of productivity. Wow! Every one percent. Wow! You know? And and my guess is that by the time we see all the accounts covering the pandemic period, um, the number of zombies in the UK economy will have doubled. Mm. And some of them will come out. Some of that for some that will be a a kind of a function of the the, the snapshot um, yeah. period, won't it? And that that you would expect with um, in certain sectors, those those companies yeah. to actually be able to get out of that um, that position. But even so, that's still still quite a worrying yeah. um, worrying stat. Two little snippets from the borrowing figures, which I know don't don't excite you, but um, alcohol duty receipts were down twelve point seven percent, and tobacco duty down seven percent. So we're obviously behaving better. Wow. Or put another way. In September 2020, we were obviously we were drinking badly. a lot. <laughs> we, were, we were behaving badly um, on that. But interestingly, uh, receipts from PAYE and National Insurance were down 5% year on year, £32 billion down. So I don't quite know what that's all about. Wow, that is... Um... We'll that would be trend. interesting to know. Yeah, we'd be interested to, to kind of dig into that. We'll there may be trend. some some obvious explanation that is eluding us, but that is, it sort of strikes me as... I, I know, um, I looked at it and thought, oh, don't, don't understand that. Um, yeah. Anyway, so insolvency. Gee, yes, um, my specialist subject. Yeah. Um, insolvency service figures out on the 15th of October for September. Company insolvency is up 7.2% on 
August, August and mm-hmm. 56% uh, on September 2020, when, of course, activity was... Yeah, that's not surprising. ...was, was, was very low. Um, as previously, the increase is all about voluntary liquidation, so yeah. that's that's directors calling old, um, battle fatigue, etc. Um, because because back in September, still no winding up. Yeah, and it's interesting. I, I I picked out another figure if we're looking at that comparative. So it says fifty six percent higher than in twenty twenty. Fair enough, mm-hmm. but four percent lower than in the same. Um, same period pre pre pandemic, but yes. I think that is still a big. You know that 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 shows you just how many yep. of these voluntary insolvencies there were. Because in September, let's not forget, there was still no real re- route for um, for creditors to to wind wind companies up. So I think that is quite um, quite an interesting trend and one that we've been seeing, haven't we, throughout this um, this period? The insolvency numbers have been driven by um, the the CVLs. Yes, ab- absolutely, and of course, um, now we go forward. Um, and let's talk some background. Then I'm then I'm going to give you some anecdotal information from within the industry, mm-hmm. insolvency industry. Um, of course, we won't. I, I know you could wind a company up um, or issue a petition from the first of October. In practice, you won't see anything in October because there's a 21, 21 day, day notice period. Yeah. Um, so in reality, um, and, and then of course you've got to get the blooming thing into court. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen about that if there's a surge, uh, given that the, you know, the the commercial courts courts are in meltdown. Um, and so you won't see that. Um, there may be some push in October in CVLs because, of course, you've got the end of the furlough scheme uh, at the end of September, which may yeah. drive some companies to say, you know, the game's up. Uh, I can't do this. Plus, of course, the energy price spike may push some companies over the edge and the ongoing supply chain disruption. Um, but going back to the anecdotal comment, um, the marketing team at um, my insolvency, the firm where I, I do some consulting and technical writing, um, said in a, um, in a chat on Wednesday this week, they said, there's something going on, judging by the number of conflict check emails going round. Oh, really? Because, of course, in so, you know, much as there's been a huge um, swipe at the insolvency profession um, in the FT in the last couple of weeks, um, none, nonetheless, um, uh, one of the things that happens in the mechanics of an insolvency firm is every time they get hint of a job, you have to check that there's no conflict of interest. Mm. Um, it doesn't seem to stop some firms still taking the work, but um, never mind. Um, and but this this was the marketing people saying there's an awful lot of oh, conflict really? checks. So it's starting. It's starting to happen. It is starting uh, to happen. So we'll see where that goes. But I mean, the, you know, the, the insolvency figures are only going one way. Yeah, going, and I think there was there was also you know with the, this whole talk about. Um, the so-called plan B and whether, you know, we might have to have restrictions again. And again, the hospitality sector just saying this would be, this would just be so awful because there's no support as well. The government support schemes have been taken away. So there's no furlough, there's no um, protection from creditor action. And so any, any kind of damage to that, um, that kind of nascent recovery, I think would be, 
would be would be awful for. And, um, and we're heading into a really important season. Yeah, this is where Christmas. this is where forty percent of profits aren't they made between yeah. Christmas and, and New Year or over that that period? Yeah. Um, and and you know, having this last, again. last year, absolutely. It's interesting um, when there was there was a couple of government ministers um, trotted out um, and, and just slight hints about the possibility of curbing mixing between households. And the mere fact that's being said in public is not a good sign. That's clearly, that that apparently is under discussion in Downing Street. And the other thing, we, we again, we were talking about in the context of care homes, but it's equally true of, of hospitality, the rising case rates, which I think, you know, the, the general consensus will case, rising cases aren't a huge problem if it's not putting pressure on the NHS and not falling, following through into hospitalisation. But let's not forget the case, if you are infected with COVID, you have to isolate still for, yes. I think, 10 days. Yes. So at 50,000 where we are at the moment, if it goes to 100,000, that's an awful lot of, of people that are having work. to isolate and can't work. Or, and that or at least will, can't, can't, can't. If they require to if go they into, into, into... Into hospitality, for example, you know, hospitality care homes, all these frontline um, frontline. Um, places where I guess mm. you're more likely to be to be in contact with um, with the disease in the first place. So I do think there are some um, there are some potentially quite quite troubling um, times ahead for the for the hospitality yeah. um, yes. and other sectors. Yeah. Now, now I um, I think if we've got just a moment, we've got, Joe, yeah, we have a little bit more time. Just have a look at that. Um, <laughs> I, I was I was distracted this morning by an interview on the uh, Today program on Radio Four, and and. For my sins, I didn't catch the name of who it was talking at either at the beginning of the interview or the end. So may I call Papa? Um, but they were talking about the issue with business investment, mm-hmm. and um, and and basically saying um, the level of economic illiteracy in the new um, government policy of higher wage growth leads to higher productivity. Saying. And this is absolute nonsense because the one thing higher labour costs do to a business is to is to cut is to curb profits, mm-hmm. which which reduces the money available for um, for in investment. And uh, and he said, but besides which, at the moment, why would anybody invest? Because you've got rampant inflation. You know, you've got your eleven. 0.4% rise in material costs for manufacturers. You've got labour shortages. And uh, so he was saying, I don't see the case for business investment. Mm. And he, you know, he said, you know, business investment is, is not going well. Well, I went away after this and checked the latest ONS figures, which are there's been an update for Q2 2021. So that's April to June right, okay. 2021. And yes, business investment is, is growing. Uh, well, you'd be surprised if it wasn't. It wasn't, yeah. It'd be it pretty wasn't. Awful. Mm-hmm. But it is still 12.8% below pre-pandemic yeah. levels. And as we have said over and over again over the last 18, 19 months, poor business investment restricts growth and wealth creation. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And and to be honest with you, um, you know, I'm with the bloke on the radio this morning because I'm – I'm mindful of another interview later in the programme about care homes, which is another of my specialist topics, where um, somebody was saying, um, I've got a quarter of the um, beds in my care homes um, not uh, closed and uh, because I can't get staff 
because they're either I can't get them or they've gone off to work in hospitality and I can't replace them or they're isolating, isolating. because mm. COVID is rampant. And, and he said, why would I, you know, why would I build um, any more care home capacity, which we desperately need as the baby mm. boomers all age and crumble away? Um, why would I build, build more capacity if I've got a quarter of the existing capacity shut because I can't get staff? And this is, it comes back to your point before about stagnation, because this is where the stagnation yes. problem comes in without, with a lack of investment. Yes. That the, it kind of it, it creates the conditions for um for, for that to happen. So another another really upbeat. Um, yeah, podcast. sorry, <laughs> sorry everybody. <laughs> let's hope that we get some um some better news. And you know, let, let's see. I guess we've got still got a couple of weeks, haven't we, before the Bank of England um, MPC reports. And you know, we could still hold on to the hope that that might um that might pull a rabbit out of the hat and, and the kind of car markets, although I suspect that is maybe a, a slightly optimistic um, view of the, of the world as, as things yeah. stand. But Nick, thanks so much, as always, for, for your commentary on um, what's going on this week. It's thanks, everybody, going. for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.